98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The Education Bureau is urged to revise and clarify its guidelines on school flag raising ceremonies. Police issue dozens of tickets to men flouting COVID curbs in an anti-triad operation in Tin Shui Wai. And Australia marks the 20th anniversary of the Bali bombing, which killed more than 200 people. The Education Bureau has been urged to revise its guidelines on school flag-raising ceremonies to give more details on penalties. Mervyn Cheung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organisation, was commenting after 14 students were suspended for three days for failing to turn up to a flag ceremony. Mr Cheung called the suspension drastic, saying such action should be a last resort. He told RTHK that a full investigation was needed on the reasons for the students' behaviour. I think the EDB should consider revising the circular that they issued last year and be more specific with the penalties for non-compliance. Now, for instance, there might be variations in the degree of severity between negligence and deliberate defiance on the part of the students. So the level of penalties should also differ. Then suspension from classes should be the last resort. Lawmaker Tang Fai, who's a secondary school principal, echoed Mr Cheung's call for clarity on the issue. Police say they've issued 36 fixed penalty tickets to men found to be flouting COVID curbs in a restaurant in Tin Choi Wai. The breach of the social distancing rules was uncovered last night during an operation against organised crime in the New Territories, Newtown. Mike Weeks has more. The raid by anti-triad officers on the restaurant in Shantung Street found 29 men eating together who were unable to provide proof of a negative rapid antigen test. People dining in groups of 12 or more must take a rat test before entering a restaurant. The force said it also found 14 people seated at one table in breach of another anti-pandemic regulation that limits the number of diners per table to 12. The anti-triad unit also arrested two men aged 37 and 47 on suspicion of unlawful assembly and careless driving. Police said the Tinshui Wai restaurant will be banned from offering dine-in services in the evening for two weeks and its manager would be fined. A construction workers' union has recommended pay rises of between 3 and 12.5% for 12 occupations in the industry after a three-year wage freeze. Plasterers get the highest salary hikes, followed by full ceiling installers, metal and marble workers, to attract more youngsters into the industry. However, the union recommended a pay freeze for members who are involved in bar bending, concreting and excavating. The pay rises would come into effect next month. Turning overseas, memorial services have been held in Australia to mark the 20th anniversary of the Bali bombings when bombs tore through two of the Indonesian island's most popular night spots. The 202 people who died were from more than 20 countries. The BBC's Shama Khalil reports. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, said that for generations, Australians had gone to Bali with a sense of joy and that the last thing on anyone's mind was that it would be a dangerous place. Australia suffered the highest death toll in the bombings. Of the 202 people killed, 88 were Australian nationals. Omar Patek, the bomb maker who helped assemble the devices used in the attack, is set for early release after completing two-thirds of his sentence. The Prime Minister had said the decision would cause further distress to the families who lost loved ones. Leaders of the G7 countries have said they'll provide Ukraine with military and financial support for as long as it takes, as they warned Russia against using weapons of mass destruction. The group's online meeting was addressed by the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. From Washington, here's the BBC's Gary O'Donoghue. 
In a strongly worded statement, the G7 presented a united front in response to two days of missile attacks on Ukraine by Russia. The group promised to continue providing financial, humanitarian and military support to Kyiv and promised severe consequences should Russian rhetoric on nuclear weapons become more than just words. The US and Germany have promised to provide additional advanced air defence capabilities to protect against the kind of attacks that have taken place in the past 48 hours. President Biden has said he doesn't think the Russian president Vladimir Putin will resort to the use of will resort to the use of nuclear weapons in the war with Ukraine. Speaking to CNN, Mr. Biden also said that while he had no intention of meeting Mr. Putin at the next G20 summit in November, he doesn't rule it out. The U.S. president described the Russian leader as a rational actor who badly miscalculated the invasion of Ukraine and the resistance his military forces would face. Russia has added the U.S. tech giant Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, to a list of terrorist and extremist organizations. The two social media platforms were banned in the country in March for Russophobia, as the BBC's Paddy Maguire reports. When Russia invaded Ukraine in February, Meta said it would make a temporary exception to its hate speech policies and allow posts such as death to Russian invaders. It said it wanted to let those affected by the war express their violent sentiments towards Russia. Russia responded by banning Facebook and Instagram, although widespread use of virtual private networks or VPNs allowed people to circumvent those restrictions. Meta has rejected accusations that it promotes anti-Russian sentiment, but an appeal against the ban was rejected by a Moscow court in June. Prosecutors in the United States have dropped all charges against Adnan Syed, the Baltimore man at the centre of the high-profile murder case which gave rise to the True Crimes podcast serial. Adnan Syed was 19 when he was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of his former girlfriend. The Baltimore State Attorney, Marilyn Mosby, said the results of new DNA tests had led to the decision to drop the charges against him. The items that we tested had never before been tested, and we used advanced DNA to determine that it was not Adnan Saeed. We got DNA this time. The first round of testing, DNA testing, we didn't have enough of the sampling, and it was inconclusive because we didn't have enough of the sampling to make any sort of definitive determination as to who that was. Petrol rationing has been introduced in parts of southern France, including the cities of Nice and Cannes, because strike action has restricted supplies. Workers at refineries and depots across the country have been involved in an increasingly acrimonious dispute over wages. The French government has threatened to bring in new staff to get plants running again. Elizabeth Bourne is the French Prime Minister. The proposals put on the table by the company management are significant. As a result, I ask the prefect to initiate, as the law allows, the procedure to requisition essential personnel and ensure the functioning of the oil depots. One trade union leader warned the government's actions could provoke what he called a war. The British-born actress Angela Lansbury has died in Los Angeles at the age of 96. In a career spanning almost eight decades, she won numerous awards on stage and screen. She became best known for playing a detective in Murder, She Wrote. The BBC's Nick Hyam reports. In Murder, She Wrote, Angela Lansbury starred as the elderly sleuth Jessica Fletcher. She was the show's executive producer as well and became one of Hollywood's richest women. 
Her film career began brilliantly. She was nominated for an Oscar in her very first film, Gaslight, but true stardom eluded her. She lacked the necessary good looks, so she switched to the stage to play the lead in Broadway musicals like Mame and Sweeney Todd. And later, she took parts in a string of children's films. One of the world's largest marine science projects is beginning today to, mark, to chart the health of Australia's Great Barrier Reef. It's the third year that tourism vessels, dive boats and fishing charters will mobilise to document the impact of climate change and other threats to the world's largest coral system. The survey is run by an organisation called Citizens of the Great Barrier Reef. Its CEO, Andy Ridley, said the project needed support on a global scale. There is a really critically important role for citizens around the world in helping with this because, you know, at the moment we're just looking at the Great Barrier Reef, but there's no reason why we couldn't do this on reefs across the entire planet and get a really good understanding of where the best reefs are, what's in the healthiest state, where do we really need to put the most effort into protection. Japan's space agency has says it sent out a self-destruct signal to the, its Epsilon rocket soon after it was launched from the island of Kyushu. The Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency said it made the decision after determining that the rocket could not fly safely. The six-metre-long rocket was carrying eight satellites developed by a private firm and Japanese universities. A BBC investigation has found that up to 70% of donations being sent to displaced families in Syria via TikTok are being taken by the social media platform. The BBC's Hannah Gelbert has the details. The gifts children and their families are asking for, like lions or roses, are virtual, but they cost real money and can be withdrawn as cash. But families in camps in northwest Syria told us they're getting a fraction of the money that's being donated, on live streams that sometimes raise more than $1,000 an hour. TikTok wouldn't tell us what commission it takes, so we went live from a test account in Syria, donating $100 in digital gifts. At the end of the live stream, TikTok had taken around 70% of the gift's value. In a statement, TikTok said it was deeply concerned by the allegations raised by the BBC and that this type of content was not allowed on its platform. Finance now and the Hang Seng Index notched a new low in more than 11 years this morning as a strengthening US dollar and instability in the UK bond market continued to unsettle investors ahead of the upcoming US inflation data. The local benchmark finished the morning session down 336 points or 2% at 16,495. A senior White House official says the United States is re-evaluating its relationship with Saudi Arabia following OPEC's decision last week to cut oil production. The National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that President Biden had been disappointed by the move. And certainly in light of recent developments and OPEC Plus's uh, decisions about oil production, that the president believes that we should review the bilateral relationship with Saudi Arabia, and to, to take a look to see if that relationship is where it needs to be and that it is serving our national security interests. And uh, he is willing to discuss this relationship with members of Congress. Uh, he, he knows that uh, that uh, many members have expressed uh, concerns on both sides of the aisle, expressed, expressed concerns about uh, where things stand now with, with uh, the OPEC cartel in Saudi Arabia. And again, he's willing to have that discussion. United States labor officials have proposed a rule change that could make it easier for gig workers such as Uber drivers to be reclassified as employees entitled to benefits. The new formula includes factors such as length of service and the degree of control over the worker, as well as whether what they do is integral to a business. 
being classified as employees would entitled workers to sick leave, overtime, medical coverage and other benefits, driving up costs for for companies such as Uber and Lyft, which have consistently argued that their drivers want independent provided benefits are added to the mix. Sport now and to football's European Champions League, where Chelsea have gone top of their group. Nicely worked. Chelsea recorded back-to-back wins over AC Milan, this time a 2-0 success at the San Siro. At Milan, a third in the table with two games remaining. RB Salzburg, a second following a one-all draw with Dynamo Zagreb. Reporting on Chelsea's latest win, the BBC's Ian Dennis. Another miserable night for Fikayo Tomori against his former club, sent off in the 18th minute for the denial of a goal-scoring opportunity for pulling back Mason Mount. Such was the level of protests. Jorginho converted the resulting penalty three minutes later. Giroud wasted a free header to equalise before Aubameyang slotted in a second. Chelsea were in total control. A fourth successive win, and Chelsea now top the group and are on course for the knockout stages. Manchester City and Real Madrid both qualified for the last 16 despite failing to win on the night, with Borussia Dortmund and Sevilla drawing one all. City's goalless draw away to FC Copenhagen in Group G was enough for them to progress. City's top scorer, Erling Haaland, was left on the bench. Riyad Mahrez had a penalty saved and they played the last 60 minutes with 10 men after Sergio Gomez was red-carded. In Group F, Antonio Rudiger rescued Real Madrid in added time as they drew one all with Ukrainian side Shakhtar Donetsk in a match played in Poland. The result was enough for Real to progress. RB Leipzig beat Celtic 2-0. The Scottish champions are out. Paris Saint-Germain's Group A match with Benfica was overshadowed by reports in France that one of their stars, Kylian Mbappe, wants to leave the French club just months after signing a new contract. The game ended one all with Mbappe scoring for PSG. More from the BBC's John Bennett. Mbappe signed a new three-year deal at Paris Saint-Germain in May, but reports in France suggest he now feels that he made a mistake. Speaking before the match, though, PSG's sporting advisor, Luis Campos, says Mbappe has never talked about leaving the club in January. As for the game, Mbappe scored from the penalty spot and celebrated with his usual exuberance just before half-time. But Benfica equalised on the hour mark with another penalty, scored by João Mario following a Marco Verratti foul. Mbappe thought he'd won it late on when he volleyed the ball into the net but it was ruled out for offside now though the focus will be all about his future and the weather for this afternoon and tonight sunny and very dry this afternoon fine tonight and the outlook sunny periods tomorrow the red fire danger warning is in effect currently it's 28 degrees celsius with 42 percent humidity and to end the news the top stories once again the education bureau is urged to clarify its guidelines on school flag raising ceremonies and police issued dozens of tickets to men flouting COVID curbs in Tenshoi Wai. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3. La, 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 la. But you know you better call uh, yeah Everything just the way she left it She took my things right off the 
dresser Replace the photo of my ex that was hanging down the hall Yeah, she's off, I know But I like her wrong I lost control a long time ago And every time we play Crazy AF. Well, it's Wednesday's brew here on Radio 3. A very good afternoon to you. It's nice and dry, nice and sunny, and it's 18 minutes past one. In about five or six minutes from now, it's Classical Music Day. And uh, pretty much permanently from now on, our mate Paul Archibald, superstar trumpet player, really the absolute top of his game guy, who you've heard before, he's going to be doing uh, our classical music bit with us. And as I said earlier on, our dear old friend CT wouldn't have it in any other way at all. Paul's taking us to the opera today, but not just loads of arias and stuff. We've got some of the instrumental bits and all sorts of things for you to enjoy. That'll be in about five or six minutes. <laughs> 